Hello everyone. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Elevator Chat series of our Canadian journey. I am Darshan Maharaja. I got a question. Can we call this the dozenth episode? Is there such a word? Autocorrect is not kicking in when I type it. So I guess it must be a real word. I'll wait a uh, seldom used one maybe. With all the chatter about misinformation going on nowadays, to the extent that we are seeing calls to enact legislation to expunge it from public discourse altogether i think it is worth pondering as to how much of it uh, emanates from sources that we deem to be official in one sense or another i will exclude politicians from this inquiry as we know they are prone to misspeak <laughs> whenever it suits their objectives however when it comes to the media and especially mainstream media we expect them to a verify facts b present the information in as balanced a manner as possible and c resist the temptation to engage in clickbait given the extent of resources at their disposal this is a reasonable expectation sadly however MSM often fails to live up to its role in this uh, regard creating what i call official misinformation sometimes this is done by parroting in an uncritical manner the words of politicians especially those in government at other times there appears to be a conscious desire to mislead the audience let me bring you three such cases that i observed recently to start with cbc had reported rather sonorously about alberta premier daniel smith's uh, alleged, allegedly having tried to interfere in a legal proceeding in relation to the protests in early 2022 at the courts border with the us after premier smith threatened to sue cbc they quietly walked back on their reporting It is noteworthy here that earlier CBC had said that it stood by its reporting in the matter. Now they have added an editor's note stating that quote following a review of its journalism the sources could not confirm the existence of the alleged emails end quote. These are the emails on which the story was based. I find the use of the words the review of its journalism to be highly problematic here it appears to me that there wasn't any journalism that is a media story leveling a serious allegation against any individual can only be published after the facts and evidence have been examined three times over by different people in the organization how did the fact that the evidence on which the allegation was based did not even exist escape everyone's notice at the more than amply resourced cbc in the absence of any anything else that we can base our conclusion on we can only surmise that the decision to run the story was based on cbc's natural hostility to conservatives I also find it curious that they opted to add an editor's note to the story rather than a full-on retraction thus minimizing the gravity of their wrongful actions 
Let's take a second example of official misinformation. CTV News published a story today with this title. For the third time this week, Earth sets an unofficial heat record. That was the headline. The story cites data from the University of Maine's climate reanalyzer. It's a tool of some kind. If you are the kind of person who gets worried easily, then you are the target audience of this clickbait of a headline because tucked away towards the end of the story is this explanation. Quote, The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association on Thursday issued a note of caution about the main tool's findings, saying it could not confirm data that results in part from computer modeling. End quote. I think this should have been part of the headline rather than towards the end of the story. And what is a climate reanalyzer anyway? Why do we need a reanalysis? Shouldn't the old-fashioned analysis suffice? The conspiracy-minded might be driven to conclude that the analysis wasn't yielding the desired result. So they must be putting it through a computer model that produces output more to their liking. If the idea behind the clickbaity headline was to recruit more people to the climate catastrophe narrative, it would surely backfire among those who read the entire piece. And finally, a story in the National Post. The headline tells us that New Canadians more religious than their natural-born counterparts study. In the story, it says that among those who consider themselves religiously committed, only 14% were born in Canada, while 28% were born outside the country. This leaves me wondering as to whether the remaining 58% were born on the US-Canada border or maybe on an aircraft or a ship or whatever, perhaps even on some other planet. Because the total of the two percentages should add up to 100, but instead adds up only to 42. The problem is, if either of these datums are quoted singly elsewhere, it would lead to misunderstanding. For example, saying that only 14% of the religiously committed Canadians were born in, in, in Canada, the other person would reasonably conclude that the remaining 86% were born outside Canada. Or saying that 28% of these Canadians were born outside Canada, then again, reasonable deduction would be that the remaining 72% were born in Canada. Or saying that foreign-born Canadians are twice as likely to be religiously committed as their Canadian-born counterparts, that inference would also be based on grossly faulty data. The trouble is, as I have pointed out in my old old article, uh, Structural Dysfunction, once a faulty idea gets planted in the public sphere in Canada, no amount of refutation makes it go away completely. We must live with the consequences on an ongoing basis. That's it for today. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Do let me know your thoughts on this in the comments. I will see you again soon in the next episode. Until then, goodbye and be well.